NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studio. On Classic Hits 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Rotor Rooter. Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By MJ Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Polyod. By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Ruby Corporation. And now. Let's go to Lance and Matt. Coming to you live from the Fricker Studio. For the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Welcome on in to this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night for this edition of the show. Matt, how are we doing? Matt, I'll tell you what, I'm doing pretty good week two, getting it underway, and I mean, if week one was any indicator of what we have in store for this season of fall sports, we got ourselves a heck of a year coming up. I mean, I, I hope everyone at home enjoyed the games this past weekend. We we certainly did. There are some very unexpected results in those games and turned out to make them uh, quite an exciting Friday night. And th- this week, no different. Some some great games on deck, some great games on tap, and Got a great show for you tonight as well. It's it's going to be a good one. So, you know, get yourself settled in, grab uh, whatever food and beverage of choice you may have, because we, we've got a great show for you guys tonight. It is going to be a fantastic show. On this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios, we'll talk with Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing. We'll preview the Ohio State football team, talk about some of the crazy realignment we've seen in college football as that continues to change seemingly by the week. We'll talk with Fall Story head football coach Derek Kidwell. The Redmen got a win to start the season, knocking off Van Buren. They have another big non-league matchup when they take on Bowling Green back home at Fall Story at Memorial Stadium. Bart Wilson will catch up with Coach Kidwell a little later on. And we'll talk with Finley High School's head football coach Stefan Adams. The Trojans fell to Central Catholic to open up the season. They will take on another former league foe when they go down I-75 to take on Lima Sr. We may not be at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, their frickin' chicken wings. Wednesday, you can get their sirloin steak dinner. That is, of course, tonight. Thursday, you can get their frickin' chicken chunks. And kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. Those daily specials are all dine-in only. Download the Frickers app and find them online at Frickers. Dot com And, of course, don't miss our coverage of high school football coming your way this Friday night. It all gets started with the NWO Orthopedics Psych-Up Show from the Frickers Studios. Bart Wilson, Trayvon Hastings will preview all the games for week two of the high school football season. On Classic Kits, we'll have the Battle of the Woods, Elmwood taking on Eastwood. Jimmy Nicholson and I will have coverage of that matchup from Bloomdale Friday night on Classic Hits 96.7. On WFOB, we'll have coverage of the Fall Story Redmond as they take on Bowling Green. Matt Com and Tom Grind have that one for you Friday on WFOB. And then stay tuned in following the games for the NWO Orthopedics Scoreboard Show from the Fricker Studios. Barton Trayvon will recap all the games for Week 2. You can hear that on Friday 
once the games have wrapped up, and Matt, as you uh, as you alluded to, we both had some uh, interesting games uh, last Friday. You, of course, got to see Fostoria get the win to start off their year against Van Buren. I got to see Hopewell out and really, out, aside from their first drive, came out of the gates firing for a big win against Carey. Yeah, and I mean, I also got to see Tom Grind be like the unofficial king of Northwest Ohio. <laughs> the amount of people that come up to that man just to like shake his hand or talk to him for a few minutes. I, I don't think there's a single restaurant, diner, barbershop, gas station, anything in like Northwest Ohio where Tom Grind doesn't have at least one friend kind of situation. <laughs> but yeah, the game itself is actually a really good game. I I was calling for it to be an entertaining game. I thought it would be entertaining at the bare minimum. Turned out to be a great game. And I mean, hats off to Fostoria getting the opening week win and doing so in impressive fashion, having to come from behind in a way that we really haven't seen Fostoria do in recent years. That 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 once Fostoria would get behind in a game that kind of seemed to be, you know, the wheels would come off the tracks at that point. That, that didn't happen Friday night. Ma- made for a very exciting, entertaining game. And hats off to them. That's why we're looking forward to uh, this week for their home opener. Lots of good things to keep track of in high school football around the area. But we'll go ahead. We'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Gavin Harris, rider from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. At Blanchard Valley Health System, we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals. We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. Jobs are available in clinical and support services. We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System. We're here for you. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if auto owners make sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 7.30. We're about a week and a half away from the Ohio State Buckeyes opening up the 2023 season when they take on Indiana, but we do have Week 0 games along with the Buckeye team as a whole to preview. We're now pleased to be joined by Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. Kevin, how you doing? Pretty good. How about you guys? Oh, we are doing good. Thank you once again for, for taking the time to talk with us. Always, uh, always appreciate your chats throughout the year. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's uh, a sign that football season is here that we're talking again. And as we all know, expectations always high for the Buckeyes in Columbus, even after losing as many stars, first round picks as they did from last year's team. What would you say kind of the general mood has been, you know, surrounding the team throughout the off throughout the offseason as we get ready to start the year? I think it's like cautiously optimistic. Um, You know, I, I think everybody always wants like, it's Ohio state. Everybody is going to be expecting a like kind of national title or bust expectations every year. 
Um, but like the way that really the past two seasons have ended with losses to Michigan and then the loss to Georgia and stuff too. I think like people have that same mentality, but they're just a little more battered this time. Um, so I think, uh, that's kind of where we're at. It's just a, a little bit of cautious optimism, especially with like the defense, because people want to believe that the defense is going to be fixed, but you know, four of the past five years haven't really given them much hope that that's actually the case. I, I will be honest with you, Kevin. I count myself among those who are starting to convert my fandom of Ohio state much more along the lines of a Cleveland Browns fandom where it's like, this is, they, they look great on paper somewhere. They're going to screw this up. However, <laughs> just, I I'll be honest. I, I really have. I'm, I'm one of those fans. So, uh, do do you feel what you've seen so far in camp? Th- do you feel that cautious optimism is justified? Maybe should it be a little bit more confident? Because I, I know I've been hearing some mixed bag reviews out of camp. Some people are saying, oh, this team somehow looks better than past two years teams. And others are like, oh, man, this one might actually have the potential to be a rough season for Ohio State. Uh, what What's your kind of gauge where you're at on that one? I know we haven't gotten into some of the players or some of the position battles yet, but early assessment, where, where are you kind of lean towards on that? So I think, I think the, the thing is that the offense weirdly is kind of a little shakier than it has been heading into a season um, in recent years. I think the offensive line is, you know, legitimately concerning. You're going to have a, frankly, an average mountain West player, um, starting at left tackle for Ohio State, and they still haven't really figured out who's going to be playing center. Um, that's a really interesting position battle to me, but we can get into that later maybe. But And then you've got a, obviously a new quarterback, and to be fair, like I think the quarterback's going to be fine. That's not really the issue. But a new quarterback and kind of question marks on the offensive line, like obviously there's uh, talent at the skill players all over the field, but that is like a little bit concerning. You don't really necessarily want that heading into a season when you're a national title contender. But weirdly, I think it's the defense that has fewer question marks. If you look at the defense across the field, you've got like a preseason All-American in Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers is awesome, too, at linebacker. Um, You've got, you know, a a legitimately incredible defensive line, hypothetically, um, with JT Tumaloau and Jack Sawyer on the ends and. Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams on the inside. Like that's, that's a legitimately dominant front. And then with your safeties, like uh, you just added Sonny Styles is going to start. Uh, he's, you know, an absolute freak athlete, the highest rated player that Ohio state's ever signed at safety. He's just a, a generational player that they're going to be playing at safety. Um, you've got Lathan Ransom, who's going to be back and healthy. And when he was healthy, he was a great safety. And you just added Jihad Carter, who was the number one safety prospect or number one transfer safety in the country. So the safety position is locked down. And then, you know, the, say what you will about how the corners played last year, but you've got uh, um, Denzel Burke coming back. And it looks like Jordan Hancock could be the other guy or uh, Davison Igbenosin out of the out of Ole Miss, the former freshman freshman All-American so, I mean, the defense seems stacked and there aren't really question marks on the defensive side of the ball, whereas on the offensive side of the ball, which everybody just assumes is going to be good, kind of does have question marks. So it's it's really like a weird dichotomy. Um, I think it's like hypothetically on paper, the defense looks safer and more experienced and, um, you know, frankly, more dominant 
with fewer question marks at this point, but it's just like, does anybody really believe that Ohio State's going to struggle on offense and be really dominant on defense? Because that's just not what we've seen the past five years. It's been completely flipped. So it's a, a, a weird, a weird place. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Kevin Harris, writer for Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. As you alluded to, obviously there's going to be a new quarterback for Ohio State. Kyle McCord seemed to be the guy, you know, heading into that offseason, but Ryan Day hasn't ruled out really anything at this point. Do you think it's going to be McCord, or is there someone else that might uh, slip into that mix? Man, the more this drags on, the more I think it might actually be Devin Brown. Um, he's a second year player. He's hasn't thrown a pass for Ohio State. Um, but, you know, I mean, he was a top 50 player. Uh, he was a true freshman last year. This is his second season. Um, my my thing is that Kyle McCord has had every opportunity to win this job and he just hasn't done it yet. Um, I mean, he's an incumbent like he was the backup quarterback last year. Uh, you know, they, they felt confident enough in Kyle McCord. Uh, I guess it was his true freshman season to let him start a game against Akron. Uh, not, not the 22 season, but the 2021 season, um, after CJ Stroud got a little banged up, you know, like in the fact that this guy has so much experience, he's a five-star quarterback. He was actually high school teammates with Marvin Harrison jr. So he has that familiarity with the receivers and he still hasn't won the job this far into camp it just kind of leads me to believe that maybe Devin Brown is you know more likely to win the job because my thing with both of them is all else equal if you're if you think that they both run the offense the same way I think Devin Brown's got a little bit more escapability he can create a little more with his legs he's a little bit more of a runner and I think maybe that could be necessary this year with this offensive line and kind of those struggles so I don't know. I, I, I don't really care about the quarterback battle to be perfectly honest with you. I think whoever plays quarterback for Ohio state of these two guys, like I think both of them are going to be perfectly fine. I also don't think either of them like radically changes the offense. Um, when, when they're in the game, like the offense is going to run the same way with either of them at quarterback. So I just like with, with, these guys at quarterback, I just don't believe that either one of them is going to be a make or break decision with whether or not Ohio State wins the national title. Like if Ohio State goes 15 to no and wins the national title, it's not going to be because they played Devin Brown over Kyle McCord. And if they lose four games, it's also not going to be because they chose one quarterback or the other. Like this isn't the sort of situation where simply switching the quarterback is going to change everything. I I don't think it really matters. And that's frankly like why. I don't think anybody's now it's getting a lot of publicity, but heading into this point, like I don't think most people were really concerned about it. Um, but I, I do think the longer that this trends, the the longer that it takes Brian Day to name a starter, the the more it looks like Devin Brown could actually be the starter instead of Kyle McCord. So st- sticking with this, I'm I'm just curious on one aspect of this. You mentioned, you know, the ages uh, of these guys and, you know, Devin Brown hasn't thrown a single pass. Kyle McCord, we've seen him in in, in some small doses here and there. Uh, my question would be for someone like Ryan Day. I mean, Ryan Day seems to be alluded to as QB whisperer frequently. It, it, is there a possibility that the reason he's kind of holding out on this is he's trying to justify to himself 
starting the young guy like hey maybe i get two or three seasons out of this particular player instead of what could potentially be a one and done with kyle mccord or do, do you really think it's just a matter of who, whoever is getting the keys to the car off offensively they're just they're getting the keys to a lambo with uh uh, Marvin Harrison and Travion Harrison. It's just the laundry list of talented players they have skill position wise on that offensive side. Yeah. You know, I think it does technically, like if you really look at it, I think it makes more sense in the long run for Devin Brown to be the starter. I don't really think Ryan Day is going to look at it that way. Um, I don't think that he's going to like look at the long term ramifications of naming one quarterback the other. I think he's just going to pick the guy who he thinks is going to be able to win the game tomorrow or best able to win the game tomorrow. But if it is Devin Brown, I think that that hypothetically leads to a better long-term situation because Devin Brown cannot go to the NFL after this year. So he will have at least two years with Devin Brown. And if Devin Brown starts this year, starts next year, that, you know, sets up a pretty good really transition period for the next guy, whether it's um, Aaron Nolan or, um, or uh, who who else? Lincoln Keenholz is the other guy, or Tavion St. Clair is there the the twenty fifteen guy, and all three of those guys will be vying for the job if Devin Brown wins it. So I I think that hypothetically leads to a a cleaner transition, but I don't think that Ryan Day is necessarily thinking about that. I think that he is more just choosing the guy who he thinks is um going to give Ohio State the best chance. And from what it from what it seems right now. It's not Ryan Day's made it very clear to be to be fair that this is not a matter where both guys are just like blowing him out of the water. Like it's not like both guys are so good that he just can't choose which one's going to be the best. Like that's not the case. And he's said that he's made that very clear. But at the same time, like he hasn't said that he's like concerned about either of these guys either. Like he's just, you know, trying to find the one that is the most consistent because from how he describes it, both of them show, you know, good traits they show um that they can do it they'll make great throws here and there but they're just not consistent and he wants the guy that's going to be consistent day in and day out so while while like it's not super concerning or anything like that it's definitely that a guy hasn't emerged and like earned and won the job yet and so i think until he kind of sees one of them do that and you know he hasn't ruled out that 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 the quarterback battle could stretch into the um, off season or into the regular season at this point too. So there's a chance and it's looking increasingly likely that we maybe don't know Ohio State's starting quarterback until they head into the Notre Dame game. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB Lance Morris, Matt Common talking with Kevin Harris right from me at midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing. You alluded to this one as well earlier, but the offensive line does have some of those question marks. Few different spots opened that seem to be filled. We don't know for sure if those spots will be filled, but you know, Finley grad Luke Montgomery, a guy that Matt and I have got to see over the last few years. He really looked to be making a push to possibly start as a freshman on that O-line, which as you and as a lot of fans know, does not happen really at any school, but especially at a school like Ohio State. So what can you tell about tell us about what you've seen from him and you've mentioned the center position as another big battle you've been keeping your eye on. What can you say about what you've seen from the O-line? Oh man, I I love Luke Montgomery. I think he's got a really bright future ahead of him at Ohio State. 
Um, and like you said, the fact that he was pushing for a starting job, I don't think he's going to get it. Like, I don't, I don't think he's going to end up being a starter on the offensive line, but like, that's definitely a kind of a bright spot because I think Ohio state's offensive line development has really, I mean, you can look at it, um, has really suffered the past like three years. I I've talked about it pretty candidly. I think it was time. And I mean, there's a reason why he got fired. Um, Greg Stadrawa just did not develop the offensive line or recruit the offensive line. Well, um, for the past three years, I think he kind of lucked into having a generational offensive tackle in Parrish Johnson jr. That was kind of sitting in Ohio state's backyard. And then frankly, it was a miracle that Dewan Jones was as good as he was because he was an extremely low rated prospect who was more known as a basketball player um, that Ohio state kind of took a flyer on at the last minute. So especially at the, uh, at the tackle position, like Ohio state really needs help in a hurry there. And that's the reason why they're probably going to be starting a transfer from, you know, San Diego state on the offensive line this year. But, you know, Luke Montgomery, he's a really versatile guy. I think he could probably play inside or outside. Um, I, I think he's got a bright future. I think he's going to be a starter next year. I don't think it's going to happen this year, but it's it's one of those things where you never really know. Um, maybe somebody goes down, maybe two players go down, maybe uh, they get into the middle of the season and this line isn't gelling and you do need to put a young guy in there to start. But um, yeah, he's awesome. Uh, I, I think the kind of the wild card on this offensive line right now is um, a guy named Tegra Shabola. He is a, um, he's kind of a, a little bit of a um, hybrid sort of player. You, they don't really know if he's going to be an offensive or an outside tackle or on the, or play on the inside. Um, but I think he's, he's a guy to watch too that might not make the starting lineup, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he plays rotationally or he's kind of the sixth man on this offensive line. But I think the really big thing to watch for Ohio state right now is that, um, that, center battle um i there's just it doesn't seem like ohio state's or ryan day is necessarily confident in any of the guys that they've tried to play at center and that's really concerning especially in modern football when um you know players are pass rushing from the defensive tackle position these days so um i i think that's probably the single biggest concerning thing about ohio state at this point now sticking with that offensive line, do do you see a Dewan Jones on this roster right now? I mean, like you said, he kind of just came out of nowhere and really impressed and really stood out. And I mean, hats off to him. He's continuing to do that in Cleveland now at the next level. Really looks like the uh the rank the rankings and the recruiting boards kind of did him a disservice where he could could have and probably should have been much higher on the list and a much higher much higher touted recruit as well but are you seeing anybody like that that really stands out to you so far or like you said is this just going to be a wait and see with this offensive line across the board yeah I think it's I think it's a kind of a wait and see it's I mean it's definitely a question mark I don't know that there's a guy that like even with Dewan Jones like he clearly had emerged at this point and you kind of knew that he was going to be starting on the offensive line at this point um and you know like I I don't know. It, it really is just going to be a matter of like, is this going to be good enough? I don't think that Ohio state has put themselves in a position where they have like a great offensive line this year. Like it's just, it's, it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, it it's, it's a matter of it's, if it's going to be good enough to, um, 
you know, accomplish the goals. I think Matthew Jones is awesome. I think he is, you know, could at his best is one of the best interior linemen in the, in the country. Um, I think Donovan Jackson might be playing out of position. Um, maybe he'd be better as a tackle, but I mean, he's, he's a, a five-star guy. He, he has a great run blocker too. So I, those two guys like that have me feeling really good, but um, you know, Josh Fryer, is kind he was kind of the sixth guy last year but he's not really proven he was recruited as a center and now they were probably going to have him playing left or right tackle um Josh Simmons is the the uh San Diego State transfer I mean he was a frankly a, an average Mountain West player and now he's going to be starting on Ohio State's offensive line so like it really is like concerning heading into the season and if it works out this season it's not going to be it, if it works out this season, it's hats off to, um, you know, what Ohio State has done to develop the players that they have. But um, I I think, it, like, honestly, you could see this coming years in advance. Like, I remember vividly three years ago talking to people about concerns about Ohio State's offensive line recruiting and people would literally say, what is Ohio State's offensive line in 2023 going to like be bad? It's like, well. It's kind of that's kind of where we are at this point. Um, so I, I I think it will get better. And you mentioned Luke Montgomery and guys like that. Like there is there is a lot of like young stars that um, Ohio State is recruiting at the position. But this is kind of the Ohio State's going to have to get through this year. Um, and you know we'll, we'll we'll see how they can do it. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talk with Kevin Harris, Ryder from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. One of the best players from last season in college football returns in Marvin Harrison Jr. and got plenty of rave reviews last season, even over the offseason. People were like, oh, if he was in the draft, he might have been a top five pick. And, you know, even now could be a Heisman Trophy winner if the things are able to break the right way. It wasn't that long ago Devontae Smith won the Heisman, so we have seen a wide receiver win it recently. I, I don't think uh I don't think expectations for him could get much higher if they really tried to. No, no, they could not. Um I think he I mean, and it's 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 for a reason too. I, he came out his true freshman year in that Rose Bowl performance. He had a he had a great performance in the Rose Bowl and he kind of backed it up all season. Um, you know, he's kind of the guy that is always making circus catches. You throw it up to him, he comes down with an absurd, you know, toe tapping on the sideline. I, I his top ten is better than most people's career highlight reel. So, um, top ten from last year. So, um, he's going coming into the season is you know the clear cut number one receiver in the country. And what's even funnier is I think the clear cut number two wide receiver in the country is Emeka Abuka, also an Ohio State Buckeye. Um, both of those guys are probably going to be first round picks. They're both very different receivers and. I don't know if if you heard this week, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. was talking up Carnell Tate. He said that um, that Carnell Tate right now is a true freshman heading into his first season is in terms of development where he, Marvin Harrison Jr., was at this point last year. So what you saw of Marvin Harrison Jr. last year, Marvin Harrison thinks Carnell Tate is there as a true freshman. So I... I'm trying not to get hyperbolic about this, but I think as good as Ohio State's wide receivers room is this year, and it might be the best they've ever had. That's you know maybe it's a little early to say that when they had Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I don't think this is as good as Ohio State's receivers are going to get. I think that the next three-ish years 
are going to be the best wide receiver play that Ohio State's ever seen. Um, because I I don't think I don't think the best wide receiver that Brian Hartline is going to coach is even enrolled at Ohio State yet. So um, I think as good as the receivers are, as good as Marvin Harrison Jr. is, as good as the headlines are, it's only going to get better in the next, you know, three years. I mean, that we've seen some elite wide receivers come through. That is very, very, very high praise for the future. I'm I'm telling you, this, this, this kid, Jeremiah Smith, he is out of Florida. He is the best wide receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson. He is going to be the best wide receiver in Ohio State history. He could start for a lot of college teams right now as a freshman in high school. He is incredible, and he is coming to Ohio State, and I genuinely think he will be the best wide receiver in Ohio State history, and he hasn't even stepped foot on campus yet. And that's in addition to guys like Carnell Tate, Brandon Innes, Noah Rogers. Like Those guys are all awesome, too. I This wide receiver's room is going to be so stacked. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I I'm really floored by that. Cause I mean, I've heard a lot about some of the recruiting classes coming up. I mean, he obviously had Chris Henry's son just recently commit as mm-hmm. well. It's just, wow. Okay. I, I'm uh, Jeremiah Smith. I will keep that name in mind. Now uh, on the defensive side, switch gears just a little bit here. Defensive side, you kind of threw me off because I'm more of a fool me one shame on you. Fool me twice you can't fool me again type of person um you saying defense might actually be more stable and has the potential to be the better unit this year for ohio state just kind of walk me through that because i mean i know some good players like my michael hall you got uh jt out there and uh devin burke that you mentioned earlier but I just it still kind of floors me because I still have flashbacks of Donovan Edwards just sprinting upfield without anyone touching him against Michigan last year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know it, it's one of those things, and I mentioned it at the very beginning. It's just a matter of um, Ohio State fans aren't going to believe it until they see it. You know, it's you can talk about the scheme, you can talk about the players, you can talk about the expectations all you want, but. The reality is that Ohio State's defense has been bad four of the past five years. And rightfully so, people aren't going to be, no matter what I say, no matter what you know you you see of the players or whatever it looks like on paper, people aren't going to be sold on this defense until, you know, you're in Ann Arbor and Ohio State actually, you know, <laughs> shuts down Michigan or um, they're able to do enough against a team like Georgia in the college football playoff. Like they're going to have to earn it. And um, you know, that's, that's kind of all there is. I, I've said, like, I, I feel very optimistic about this team. Um, I think that they have the players. I think they have the personnel more than that. Like they're deep at almost every position too. Um, so I, like, I, I'm very excited about this defense, but they're going to have to go prove it. Talk with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. We got a lot of other things we can talk about, but not as much time. Would you, Kevin, rather talk about everything with college football expansion or the Week Zero games? I'll, I'll give you the pick. Uh, let's talk expansion. I'm not. I'm not too. 
I'm excited for college football to be back, but I can't say that there's a specific week zero game that I'm super excited about necessarily. So we can talk expansion. So in that case, the Big Ten seemingly is just taking everybody that's left over by and large from the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has a lot of other things that need to happen, but there's all these different rules in place that there's, you know, has to be this many power conferences and all that good stuff. What can you say from your perspective is, you know, with everybody joining the Big Ten in the next few years, obviously USC, UCLA are coming sooner rather than later. What more really can we see happen? Because that seemed to be the first big domino once the USC, UCLA news happened. And now we're starting to see even more repercussions because of that. Yeah, I think um I think that it's 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 weird. I my thing is the the whole issue with um with the the Pac-12. Like I I genuinely see people being upset about how college football is changing, like having that emotional reaction and like oh no, college football is going to be completely different from here on out and like I genuinely get that, but like one I don't know how anybody didn't see that coming necessarily um, when Ohio State added UC, USC and UCLA. Like it seemed to me that like very clearly next up was going to be Oregon and, uh, you know, Washington or I, I thought even further than that. Like I thought they would end up taking, um, you know, maybe Stanford and Cal too, just purely on logistics. Um, but I think like now it makes complete sense that you have four schools on the West coast instead of two that have to travel for every single one of their games besides when they play each other. So I, I don't know. I, I think the move makes all the sense in the world to me. I think anybody could have seen it coming and like, I get being like frustrated about like the collapse of the PAC 12 and stuff like that. Like genuinely, I, I, I get the, the emotional reaction to it, but like purely we're, we're talking about Ohio state here. I think this is good for Ohio state because like, Frankly, how many times do you get up in the fall and you know that it's not a matter of is Ohio State going to win this game? It's how much is Ohio State going to win this game by and are they going to win by enough to make me happier to make, you know, people impressed or something like that? Like that's what the vast majority of Ohio State games are. There's like three games a year that Ohio State could lose or could play a one score game with. It's like Penn State, Michigan and like maybe toss in a Wisconsin or, you know, sometimes Nebraska is good or something like that every year. Uh, maybe a non-conference game, but like when you start adding um, teams like Washington and Oregon to that rotation and USC, and maybe at some point they keep expanding at a Notre Dame or um, a Florida state or something like that, like sometime in the future, that just makes more good games from an Ohio state perspective. Like I just want to watch more good college football games. And if I can have an annual matchup between Ohio state and USC, um, I, I think that's a that's a win for from an Ohio State perspective. So, um, like I, I get it, but I I as an Ohio State follower, as somebody who watches Ohio State football all the time, like I just I I want good games, and um, I get that that might be destroying some rivalries over in the Pac-12, but um, I am excited to have you know regular showdowns with USC, with Oregon, with Washington instead of and and fewer showdowns with um Washington and um or with uh like teams like Rutgers and you know like Purdue or something all right super quick I got two questions for you one about the expansion and then another one just for me 
uh, expansion question. Do you see this potentially ending up, especially with the expansion of the college football playoff, where we see really what boils down to a professional sports model, maybe two mega conferences, then a majority of the teams in the postseason, just making it from those two conferences until eventually everybody's folded in either the SEC or the Big Ten or maybe a third mega conference that will develop along the way. And then true or false, Grayson McCall is the greatest quarterback in college football this season. Go Chanticleers. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where you we're not really going to know what it's going to look like until it gets there. And I I think that it could get to that point where it's just kind of a super conference. Maybe it's like the SEC versus the Big Ten, because that's kind of how it's already trending. Um, I, I don't really know. Um, I don't really know what's going to happen to to the smaller schools for now. They're kind of going to be taken care of in the college football playoff model, the 12-team model. They're kind of going to have a seat at the table. Um, I don't know how that's going to change when when or if they keep adding teams and stuff like that. But um, it's just – it's it's one of those things where we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, I'm not I'm not 100% sure uh, what it's going to mean for your beloved Chanticleers or anything like that, but um, I, I, I do know <laughs> – selfishly it for the for the time being is just making things more entertaining for ohio state and uh from a just purely you know locked in perspective uh like selfish perspective there um i i think it's a good thing in the long run for ohio state this has been me at midfield rider from along with the comeback and awful announcing kevin harris kevin thank you again again for taking the time to talk with us we'll catch up next week to look ahead to week one Awesome. Thank you so much. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll have Bart Wilson catching up with Fall Story ahead football coach Derek Kidwell here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from. Due to substantial Studios. growth at Morgan Advanced Materials, we're hiring and want you to join our team. If you're looking for a competitive starting wage, Morgan Advanced Materials has production operator positions starting at $19.76 an hour with the potential of up to $23.91 an hour. Join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Faustoria. Call us at 419 419- 360-9751 or head to morganadvancedmaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better place. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have third shift general labor positions available with a starting pay of $17.51 an hour with a $0.25 cent shift differential for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria and part of the Ropey Holding Company family. 5.7 FM, I'm Bart Wilson and I'm talking with Faustoria head coach Derek Kidwell. Coach, what can you say about your team's performance this past Friday? Yeah, you know, it was good to get a, a win, especially the first game of the season. Um, it was your typical week one, um, some miscues, some some sloppy play. Um, but, you know, we had to come from from down twice to, uh, to tie it once and then to miss the PAT to be down 14-13. Then we recovered a kickoff that they kind of mishandled. And then we were opportunistic and went down and got another score to go up 19-14. Um, I think some of some of the teams in the past that we've had here wouldn't have had to resolve with the fortitude to go win that football game. Um, but this senior group and this team um, is a little different. So it was nice to see them reward themselves by not playing well, but um, finding 
still finding a way to win. Yeah, it definitely seemed like the tenacity of this team was able to really handle the adversity. And it also seemed like some of the decision-making of changing positions uh, for some of these guys really worked out well. I mean, what can you say about, especially with Ferguson and Johnson on defense, how did that work out uh, for the game on Friday? Yeah, you know, we just kind of figured we didn't put them in the best situation to succeed and, and what, what helps us best as a team. And, uh, you know, they both were open-minded to the change on defense. Um, it really helps to have Jordan in the middle of the field with his length and his athleticism. Uh, he can cover ground quite well. And, and Makai is a big, tall physical presence on the edge that we expect to make a lot of big plays for at the defensive end. So, um, and then flip them on the uh, on the other side of the ball. You know, both of them scored two of the three touchdown passes that we had. So, um, you know, they're big. They're playmakers for us, and we expect them to be playmakers each and every week for us. Now, something I saw in the paper recently after the game, your quarterback Gavin Miller said this after the game, and I thought it was great. He said, "We as seniors knew we needed to change the culture around here, and now's our time to really do that." So this game, this season, we came in with a mindset like we're going to change the culture for these younger kids coming up. Just lead by example, show them how to play together and as a family. What are your thoughts on what your starting QB said? Yeah, you know something we've been we've been harping on for a while and, and been preaching to these guys, and you know they've kind of they may have been uh, overexposed to it or they may be getting tired of, of hearing it, but. You know, you're only going to be as good as your, as your leaders, um, whether they're junior or senior. In his case, he's, he's finally a senior now. Um, you know, and he's saying all the right things, and, and he does most of the right things on the practice field, in the weight room, in the classroom, in, in our high school. So he, he has the right to say that, and, and that's something we've been preaching to our football team for a while um, because, you know, we've, we've had some rough spells here through, through the COVID seasons. Um, you know, not too many wins, not too many victories, not too many reasons to have. So uh, hold your head held high, um, and we want to change that. And these these seniors have have taken that rally cry, and they've worked hard this spring and summer, and all through camp and two a days. And hopefully, they reward themselves by going out and playing productive, clean, good football on Friday nights. Do you think, with how they've handled this type of adversity for the past couple of years, to see it now flourish? with a win to start off your season opener. I believe the last time you won your season opener was in 2017. I mean, to see it happen now, I mean, what does that say about your team just going through just going through a lot of ups and downs, but now you get to this point where you start off with a win for your season. It's now, I mean, you look at Bowling Green now. Like, what, what does this say about the team and just handling all of this? Well, I think first and foremost, it says that you have a mature, a mature football team, and uh, you know we're, we're 12, 12 seniors and all twelve play for us. You know we are a mature football team. Uh, these kids have played a lot of football for us the past three years. A lot of them were playing as freshmen until sophomores for us, with um, on teams that weren't so good for us. So they have they have had a lot of Friday experience under the lights. So they shouldn't be. Um, starstruck or anything like that when when you know when the referee blows the whistle for the opening kickoff mm -hmm. and I think I think you could kind of tell that Friday that you know the, the lights weren't too bright the heat wasn't too hot um, they were just kind of doing what they're nor normally used to doing and that's playing football but 
But for us, luckily, we got we got a mature football team, and they know how to, to stay focused. Now we're entering week two. You face a Bowling Green team coming off a victory against Otsego. What are some areas you notice in film that the team is going to need to be aware of when taking on this BG team? Yeah, so Bowling Green, you know, they had a great victory week one against Otsego, uh, one of the one of the top echelon teams in our league in the Northern Buckeye Conference. Uh, you know, they beat them 44-31. to 31. Game was a one-score game with uh, a minute and a half left, so the score is a little misleading. Uh, it was a great rivalry game. They're only 10 minutes apart. Um, but in order for us to be competitive or, or to beat Bowling Green, we're going to have to stop their running game. Um, I don't have the official stats from their week one win against Otsego, but I would assume they probably rushed for 300, 350 yards. You know, they're a, they're a wing tee principal football team. Uh, they'll do it under center. They'll do it on a spread. They'll pull both their guards. They'll pull their guard and tackle. They'll pull their tackle and tight ends, um, depending on what defense you give them. Um, they want to run the ball. They ran the ball about 90% of the time against that seagull. So we're going to play very physical, disciplined football. We're going to have to keep our eyes out of the backfield and read the linemen. The linemen normally take you to the football when you're playing a wing T team. Um, so that's first and foremost that stick out. They have a very big offensive line. They got some very explosive uh, running backs who have breakaway speed. And if they get a crease, they will be gone and we will not catch them. So got to be very disciplined on defense. For us offensively, um, they'll give you a forefront. If you give them four or five receivers, they'll give you a three-two look and they'll play a soft shell um, behind it. So we uh, we like our chances in our passing game with, with our receivers. Um, but with that being said, we also are going to have to protect um, their front three and two linebackers. They will come hard, and they're very good and athletic. Um, just like most high schools, they play a lot of kids both ways. And with this heat that's here and that will be here for Friday, I'm sure conditioning will, will play a factor in this game also, as will special teams. Um, we were the beneficiary of a special team blunder last Friday for a victory. They had some uh, things go their ways week one with special teams also. They were opportunistic with that. So um, it's going to be a big challenge for us. Um, they're definitely a football team that is physically uh, bigger than us. Um, we may have a little more athletic skill on the perimeter with our receivers. Um but they, uh, they pose a big threat to us. So our kids have to focus, have to have a great week of practice, and have to come with the right mindset of um, it's going to be a four-quarter battle and we're going to have to play physical big man football Friday. Yeah, I, I, I didn't factor in the heat aspect uh, when, when thinking about this game. But definitely, I mean, they, they get to kind of uh, their two running back game is with J.C.S. Shannon and then Peyton Harris. Uh, those are the two guys uh, that were able to dominate Otsego in the run game, and especially if they can utilize them and switch them out just based off the heat, you know, how difficult is that going to be if they're going to throw them into a rotation, especially keeping fresh legs on the field? Yeah, it's not so much a rotation. One of them will play a wing. Or the other okay. one plays the, the, the fullback or tailback spot. Um, but they can't, they have the capability of rotating them, and absolutely. Um, but I think the Heat will definitely play a, a factor Friday night um, for both of, for both teams. I mean, they play a lot of kids both ways. You know, they got a lot of linemen that play offense and defense. 
um, just like us, a lot of their skill kids, you know, they're secondary, they're hard, they're receivers and things along those lines. So conditioning and, and managing the heat and um, not allowing long, sustainable drives will be beneficial. You know, I'm sure you'll get some extra water breaks from the officials due to the forecasted heat. But, uh, you know, if you can eliminate seven to 10 to 11 play drives where they're just constantly running it down your throat and constantly pounding on you, that always that always helps also. So, um, you know, it's our first home football game. It's going to be an alumni night for us. should be a big crowd for our kids. So they have a lot to be excited about. And it's going to come down to them going out and, and playing – playing with pride and playing for that name across the front of their jersey. Well, Coach, best of luck on Friday. I'm rooting for you guys. Hopefully you get you get that victory on Friday, and then we'll talk about it next week. But, Coach, thank you so much uh, for spending some time with me. No problem. Once again, I'm Bart Wilson, and after a quick break, Lance and Matt will talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams, here on the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle from the Freaker Studio on Classic Hits 96.7 and ESPN 1430 AM and 105.7. It's cash for cars at Warner Economy Corner in Findlay. Not much has changed with the shortage of good quality used cars, but Warner Economy Corner is looking to buy. At the corner of Blanchard and Blanchard, Warner Economy Corner is paying cash for cars. Bring your vehicle down to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and go home with cash in hand. Warner Economy Corner is buying cars and making deals. Open daily Monday through Friday. The Northwestern Water and Sewer District now has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Watersheds are located off of Plaza Drive on the north end of town and our newest location near 4th and Finley Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try watershed water. Just bring your own containers and fill up for a quarter a gallon. Try watershed water today. For all locations, go to nwwsd.org. this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic Hits 96.7, WBVI Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you until 7.30. The Finley Trojans lost their opening game to Central Catholic. They will take on Lima Senior this Friday as they head down to Lima. We are now pleased to be joined by Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We are doing good, pretty good. Thank you again for taking the time to talk with us. Always greatly appreciate getting to catch up with you. Likewise, likewise. So for you guys, obviously a tough loss against Central Catholic. Yep. What, what What's some of the big takeaways you uh, take away from your team in week one? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, immediately it's, it's always to acknowledge what's real, right? So, you know, we lost the game to a better team that night. And um, I think when you can look at that and accept that, you know, you walk away and say, okay, well, within what would happen and within the game or within uh, this process, where were, where were some good things and where are things that we got to improve upon? And honestly, we did a lot of good things. It's just though the margin of error was so slim um, that, you know, getting a goal line stand and then trying to get another one before half, like that's tough to do against a team like that. So there's still a lot of positive. We did some things that made them uncomfortable on offense that really had them on their heels. Uh, unfortunately, it got to a point in time where they were able to settle in um, and, and kind of get back to what they do. But we did a lot of good things in all facets that uh, I, I thought really we were a small mistake or two away from uh, being able to be in a game or giving ourselves a chance to win the game. 
And coach, definitely a team like Central Catholic being able to say that you you hung with them the way that you guys did for a good portion of that game. Definitely a positive to yeah. take away from that. Um, just a little bit on that Central Catholic side of things, though. Uh, I know a lot of people had them as as advertised once again yep. this year. Definitely in the contender category from what you saw. Only question I'm ever going to have about another team, but with Central Catholic, bears mentioning do they look as advertised once again this year? I mean, they seem to just kind of reload year in and year out. Yeah, I think when you have a good program, right, like it's just you just reload. And I would say, you know, the skill positions are the skill positions, and there are some some special guys they had that did some special things. But then on the other end of it, like, yeah, just having an offensive line and having a young quarterback that really you're not asking to do much, um, but really being able to rely on an offensive line and, even some of the tweaks and changes they made, we wanted to take away their their counter run game, which is their number one play. And they realized it, and we did early on. And then so they went to another scheme, and their guys were able to adjust and and, and to do really well. So, no, there there's no mistakes. They're a good football team. You know, one play they made, I think of the, the defensive back, the safety, which they had some really good safeties last year. You know, we got his eyes open to the field. You know, we wanted to flip his hips. He was able to. And then we threw right behind his ear, but he was able to flip his hips back, you know, and make a big hit to knock the ball out on on, on our on our receiver. So it's like they just got some guys that are that, that are 100 percent able to reload with and uh, and hats off to them. And they're going to they're do some good things uh, throughout the course of the year. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams. Offensively, there were some good things. Of course, a play from Ryan Montgomery to Javante Hill made it all the way to number two on the Sports Center top plays. Obviously, a big accomplishment there. What were some of the good things you did see uh, from the offense? Because, like we said, you know, the first half especially was a very back and forth half. Yeah, I just thought we were, you know, we were doing things that we were coached to do. Uh, I think that's kind of a huge deal, as minor as that may sound. Um, as I watched it and looked at it, I was happy our guys were in the right spots as far as being aligned. Um, our guys did a great job of getting to their landmarks, getting to their spots. Uh, and then we made some throws that were kind of the, your off-schedule throws, right? Like, you know, hey, things broke down. I got to get out of the pocket. I got to scramble. Scramble rules applied. And our guys were able to kind of play a little bit of backyard football and make some plays. So I, I was really excited. We, we had a big post that we threw uh, to Javante that was just just barely out of the reach of his of his arms. You know uh, that could have really been a dynamic moment in that in that first half. Um, yeah, I mean there's a lot there's a lot to take away that were positive that we I, th- I felt we did. It's just unfortunately we weren't able to hit on all cylinders at the right time to keep things going in our direction. And coach uh, stick with the offense a little bit from the yeah. offensive line side of things. How'd you feel week one looked? I know again, uh, C- central Catholic, not easy team to gauge a lot of things off of because they're just level of talent that they have year in year out. But what were some of the takeaways you saw on the offensive line? Yeah, I thought, our, I thought, honestly, I was really impressed. I think our guys battled. I think I got our, our my, I think of kind of our center, um, you know, Zach Searles, who's, you know, you can call him an undersized kid, right? But like him at center, he just battled his freaking butt off all game long. I mean, he was going up against guys bigger, faster, and stronger and, you know, held his own. I think, uh, you know, our two sophomore guards had uh, some high moments and some high flash moments. And then they had some, a couple of moments where they were young guys, you know, but for the most part, 
you know, talk about like the offensive line, everybody being in unison. I think there was uh, two recorded sacks. Um, I, I'll take that for a line that's literally, I don't have a returning starter on it. <laughs> so uh, I think we did a good job of keeping Ryan clean for most of it. And I think that group's going to continue to improve. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams. Defensively, there were some struggles. What were some of the things you uh, saw from the defense, and what are some of the big things to uh, work on throughout the week? Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, going back to kind of my point earlier, I'll get to the the part of the struggles, but more so I think, we I wouldn't even call it a struggle. We knew what we were going up against, right? So, like, I think what's a positive thing we did, we took away their number one run scheme. Now, they adjusted, as any good football team would do, and we adjusted as well, too. Uh, so they made some good tweaks, and their, their senior-led linemen were able to handle those tweaks and changes. So um, I think we did some good things as far as getting them to, to redirect. But, you know, of course, that line just that's – a, listen, that's a tough line we're going to face. That, that's going to be – they're as good as they get, you know. So as far as like when you talk about struggle, it really, you know, there weren't too many big pass plays in my opinion, which is one thing we talked about, a lot of explosive plays. But when you have a line like that and you got those two running backs like that, I mean, our kids freaking battled, but those guys are just, they're superior. So I wouldn't even call it defensive battle, you know, battles. I know the score may tell you one thing, but um, I just think, you know, more hat goes off to their offensive line for what, who they are and then having, you know, a 220 pound tailback and then bringing in another guy who's kind of like the lightning of the group, uh, who's also physical, but shifty as well too. I mean, that's just, that's a tough feat. That's a tough deal. And in times like that, you just hope and wish that you, you get ahead of them to make them do some things uncharacteristically they don't want to do like throwing the ball or having to throw it downfield. So uh, I think it really doesn't, I'm not, me personally, I'm not going to allow kind of some things in that game to dictate or really blur the division for who we are and how good we are too. Uh, we just we're not we're not stupid. We ran into a state champion, so um, yeah. Back to the drawing board, just getting better at little small things, small details, and continuing to finish. And obviously, that I love the message. It's a state champion. We're not going to over not going to overthink this. And back back to the drawing board and all that. I. I I love that. I, I I love that mentality. And but for the kids as well, for the, your players on the team, but was that kind of the same attitude that they've had between Friday night, watching the film and now getting back into the grind here for this week in practice and getting ready for Lima senior, just a, Hey, we're on to week two. Let, let's, let's just worry about week two and put the focus there. Yeah. yeah. We, we, like I said before, we, we, we're not going to run away from the fact of what it is. And, and, you know, we, we, we lost the game to a good team. We lost, we were the loser that night. But on the other side of it, though, I, I, you're right. The mentality was, mentality was okay. Let's get let's get the film on Monday, and then let's let's get ready to crank it up for week two. Um, they understood. You know, one of the biggest things we showed them was just the margin of error in a football game. You know, so uh, when you're a state champion, things seem to bounce your way. No pun intended, right? But they have a fumble down in the red zone area that they end up recovering back. Right? We don't get that one. Um, you know, we we were trying to for whatever it's worth trying to, to get a ball out um, on a kick return. You know, we were able to stand the guy up and our guy was trying to knock the ball out and they threw a flag for excessive uh, attempts to get the ball out. But then they start on the opposite side of the field. You know, they have a short field now to go, which is conserving a lot of energy for their big guys. So, you know, I think what we showed the kids and what they got from it was, you know, the, the, the idea that 
the margin of error in a game against the state championship is championship team is very, very small. And those are the opportunities we can't miss on. And so there needs to be a feel of sense of urgency and practice even more so than before. So that way we can capitalize um, and not, not hurt ourselves in any way uh, through the course of these next so many games. Talking with Vinley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. You mentioned it with practice throughout the week. So just how has practice been going for you this week and how are things uh, starting to, con- or, or rather continuing to trend in the right direction? Absolutely. I, I feel so. I think obviously I go out there and, you know, uh, you go out there and take care of business this week to be able to validate that. But um yeah, I've been I've been happy with the kids' uh, effort. You know, we you know you kind of you got to kind of look at things a different way because this is the same week we started school yesterday. Um, so we're in the second day of school today. So practice should be a lot crispier, a lot cleaner. Um, they should be a little more settled in than they were yesterday. So I think overall it's been a great week uh, of practice thus far, and I think today we're we're due for a really really good spirited, high energy, flying around practice too. So I'm super excited for to get out there today and get rolling. And Obviously, defense side with a little bit of a rough game for Central. But what what were some of your takeaways so far this week in practice on the defensive side? Feeling locked in, feeling good, yep. look, looking to rebound pretty well so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think those guys are ready to roll. I mean, those guys. I remember one like one of my my captain Nate Regal comes to me and he goes, you know, he goes, listen, that that's to me like that line was. I mean, those guys were just freaking massive, right? Like, they were huge and they're big, but you know, they gave us a good look and they gave us the the feeling of what we got to be physically and mentally ready to go for and up for to be a championship team. So, uh, a lot, a lot of positive, a lot of benefits coming out of that. Talking Finley High School's head football coach Stephen Adams here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Looking ahead to Friday night, you guys take on Lima Senior, another team formerly of the track that you'll take on in a non-conference look this week. What are some of the big things you're looking forward to seeing on Friday? Well, just getting back out there and competing again, right? Like, I think that's the, the main thing, right? Let's get back out there and compete. Let's go out there and validate, you know, who we are and what we're about. So uh, excited to do that, excited to go to an away game. I think away games kind of give you a true sense of kind of who your team is. You know, how, how do we respond to the travel or the arriving somewhere different or not different in Lima's case, but like just the travel, the showing up, mentally being prepared, getting on the bus, how you prepare on the bus, how you sit on the bus, how you approach the day. I'm just excited to get back up there and compete. I think the kids are as well, too. And, you know, Lima had a great, great first game and did a lot of really explosive things. So their confidence is high. Uh, we got to go out there and prove ourselves, and they're going to be excited to play against us as they always are. And coach, I, I'd be remiss if I don't ask since it is a a travel situation for you guys. Do, do we have the music picked out yet? Are are we are we locked in with the uh, captains and the rest of the team as to what everyone's listening to or what the hype up song is <laughs> going to be? I mean, I, I I don't necessarily think there ever needs to be a hype up song or anything like that on a Coach Adams led team. It's just talk <laughs> to you for two minutes and we're ready to go to battle. Yeah. situation but uh, what what walk us through that for the fans like what the usual travel setup looks like so i know some teams they they travel really well finley historically since you've been there you guys seem to seem to take it to teams when you're on the road so what, what's the secret sauce there yeah I, I think it's just embracing the opportunity right uh you know you're able to one i think in some cases getting away a little bit going somewhere different going somewhere uncomfortable and being able to make your mark but 
you know, the kids, the kids know, I mean, with the, we've had conversations about how we do things, how we approach things. And, you know, the kids will have, I, I don't know, the kids put on their music once they get there. I, I don't, I, I now officially being 35 plus, right? Like being 36, turning 36 this year, like, I don't even know what's what anymore. <laughs> so all I know is I hear a beat and I hear a bunch of uh, a jumbo. And it just, as long as they're, if that's what it, I'm all about whatever it takes to get kids, you know, uh, excited, prepared, or ready to go for a game. So our guys will be on a the bus. They'll have, a, they'll have more of a focused approach on the bus. And then once they get there, kind of getting ready, getting their minds right, kind of how to be in the locker room, um, how to get your mind ready to go, get acquainted with the field, kind of where we're going to be. Now, all those little things that, that, that help in going to, to competing and being at a high level once that ball's kicked. So, no, I'm, I'm super excited. I love going to Lima. It's, it's a good atmosphere and good environment. And Lima Senior always seems to have some players who are really athletic, even when they do have some teams overall that might be a little on the downside. They always seem to have some of those guys who can really make some plays regardless. Who, who are some of those guys on, on this edition of the Lima team? Yeah, so they 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 were and they were super explosive this last game, and I think they literally leaned heavily on uh their, their you know their top receiver you know Xavion Garner six three one eighty um kind of the, the go get it kind of guy throw it up to him he can kind of get over top of you and catch it um he's kind of kind of a dude for them on offense they're kind of led by you know, the quarterback really has done a good job um number eight and uh, he's been out there really lighting it up and his improvement from the scrimmage to uh game one was 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 very very was a big leap so uh cool to see you know for them and see anybody improve and I know that's important to us as coaches as well um yeah those are the two guys I think on offense that really stand out for me uh, I think it was number one uh Chance Sanders he was a he's been in, had a great game and had a kind of pulled off a couple big long runs last week as well too and then on defense uh you know kind of a standouts number nine linebacker uh Tavion James he's kind of a fast guy and always kind of find themselves around the ball so uh they they always have they have athletes they have, they have athletic kids that can make a lot of plays and give you headaches um, they, they got some guys that are, that are, you know, we got to keep our eye on and make sure that we know they are at all times. And coach for something like that with the athletic kids and some good speed kids as well. The no, no secret Lima senior seems to have fast kids at the regular no down doubt. there. What, what, what are some of the things that you can do defensively? Obviously not don't, don't give away game plan. Don't want a chalk talk kind of things that you <laughs> want to want to give up. But what are some of those ways that you counter that type of team in most situations? I mean, it's, is there something in particular? Is it really just boiled down to fundamentals? Yeah. I mean, of course, fundamentals are going to be a part of every single game, but I think also just being, you know, being doing your one eleven, right. So doing one, doing your, doing what you're coached to do, um, being in the right spot at the right time and doing it with tenacity and also like uh, controlled, controlled rage and violence. Um, I think, uh, you know, also as well too, is kind of the game prep and being able to anticipate where things are, where things are coming from. Uh, it's just very important to be, like you said, disciplined in all those fundamentals and those things that we've been coached up to do. Uh, because if you're out of the lane, you're out of your lane that you should be in, they're going to make you look foolish, right? Like that's just an, a window opening for them. You know, you got to make them, we always say, one, make the quarterback go to a second read, right? You know, make the make make the re receiver or the the receiver or skill guy make him redirect once or twice, uh, so that way your help's coming in. Uh, so I think just little things like that just always kind of aid in, in, in helping neutralize uh, when you're going against a, a freakishly athletic team. 
This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams. And I know that they're not your quintessential rival. I think that would still have to go to Fremont Ross. But where would you kind of rank this in terms of the rivalry just because of previously being in the track, obviously kind of a natural rival since you're, you know, the two closest schools in terms of the southern part of the conference. So kind of where do you rank this in terms of the different rivalries you have uh, throughout the year? Yeah, you know, I, please, I don't want, I don't want to say this, make sure I'm saying it correctly. Like, I, you know, I am I am not from here. You know, uh, I have embraced Finley's my home. I've been here since 2014 now. Uh, and I'm still I'm learning. I'm my third year as the head coach, five years total here in uh, Finley High School's program. It seems to me, as I am, I am, you know, <laughs> kind of the historian, right? Like, hey, we know Fremont Ross is the longest played. I mean, how long that game? The hundredth game, right? The yeah. history, the history behind it, the rivalry. Uh, I think, uh, you know, as we, uh, you know, exited out of the track, I, I learned that, you know, the the St. John's rivalry was a big one for our kids across the board. Uh, as well too, and then uh, I learned, I, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, what what it means, and I I see that, and I feel now that, you know, this is definitely a game that 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 has been marked for both schools, um, so definitely has a little bit of uh, that rivalry edge to it, and I think, uh, you know, they they want this one bad against us, so, uh, and we just want to go out there and perform and do what we got to do too. So, however it may, I think moving forward, this will be a game that we'll have on our schedule every year as kind of our non-conference. So. I can see it trending that way as we move forward. Yeah, it's it's a fun one. I, I'll be honest. This this is one that I kind of look at as well. It's like, oh, th- this would be this would be a game. It's, Absolutely. Uh, neither, neither one's on each other's Christmas card list. Let's put it this way. <laughs> well, I know it was a couple of years ago, and I didn't realize it, but I, you know, it was somebody you know going up to play the team up north. I didn't know that. I didn't see us that way. Um, <laughs> but uh, okay, that's us. All right, so okay, here we go. All right, so as the team up north, what's the message for the fans? What's the message for the team this week? You know, this has been a cool week because I think, as you said, what's the motivation behind it all? It's really been backed by our kids now. Like, you know, uh, senior leaders who have stepped up and said, what what needs to be done this week? I've kind of had to really step back because the kids have taken over. You know, hey, we don't need any mental mistakes. You know, uh, hey, we don't need any... Uh, penalties that can hurt the team. You know, we need to be clean. We need to, we need to be locked in in practice. We don't need to be standing around joking or goofing off talking about this. Like, it's really been the kids this week, you know. So really for me, it just goes back to when you have strong leadership, you know, these seniors only get, they're only guaranteed, you know, so many games. We're only promised today. So really locking in and doing it for your brothers, doing it for the seniors, guys. Like, really sell out for the seniors because I know how bad they want it. I know how bad they've worked. I know what they've seen and been part of the last couple of years. And I know where we're trying to get to. So really it comes down and boys, don't let your guys down. Don't let your brothers down. Don't, don't make this about you uh, individually, because you know, when you do that, you're letting your, your teammates down, you're letting your brother down. So let's go out there, perform, be clean, be crisp and uh, do it for the seniors. Cause you know, we, we, you guys know, right. You, you're, you do this whole thing as athletic thing. And then boom, you're 23, 24. If you're lucky enough to go on and play in college and then you're just an adult for the rest of your life. Right. And your moments of high and, and fun come from, you know, blocking your son's basketball shot. So I say all that to say, enjoy it while you can and, and, and literally do it for you, brothers. Coach, I love that message, but I do have a follow-up because that was an oddly specific, like as an adult getting that, that kind of like 
Friday night. How, did 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 you Matumbo your son at some point in the past that, few days? It was was that your way of getting that out into the public? Listen, Dax doesn't get. Listen, I, I'm not I'm not here for everybody wins. You know what I mean? You win or you lose. And I, I got to instill some sort of uh, will to win within my son's range. And hey, there's going to be somebody bigger and better out there. What are you going to do about it? So. I, I wouldn't, I'm not here to say that I foul him or anything like that. <laughs> Just saying if the opportunity presents itself and he wants to play basketball, like he, like he always does, or he's playing football, like we're on ball security. We're going to be on top of it. So yeah, <laughs> not, that's, that's, where, that's where we're not, at. Not, not going to foul him, not going to do anything like that, but it, he's going to know not to drive the lane on dad. That, that, that's know. all I'm hearing. <laughs> and then at some point in time when these knees don't work anymore, I know I'm going to get it returned back tenfold. So uh yeah i gotta i gotta get it while i can <laughs> oh geez <laughs> on that note this has been finley high school's head football coach <laughs> Stephen adams coach thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us good luck on friday against lima always appreciate it guys always appreciate your time with that we'll step aside for a quick timeout we'll be back to talk other things going on around the world of sports here on the nwo orthopedic sports huddle from the fricker studios hi this is dom from the classic hits morning show and i've just heard that not all roofs are created equal is that true that is true don it's solely dependent on the people installing it hi folks this is matt from mj brown roofing construction company in tiffin ohio we're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936 we're a full service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs so no matter what type of roof you want we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no obligation inspection and quote today. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are iron worker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Ironworkers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. NWO has news. We are excited to announce the newest addition to the NWO family. Dr. Ryan Tran is a local who was raised in the area, trained by the Cleveland Clinic, and has returned to his hometown to care for your whole family, just like he does his own. Dr. Tran is now accepting new patients of all ages in our Tiffin office. Make your appointment today to experience the benefits of family care by a hometown professional. There's only one place to go. NWO. Saying goodbye to summer is less sad when you realize your favorite fall flavors are here at Bigby Coffee. Celebrate the return of our sweet foam pumpkin cold brew, pumpkin spice latte, and our caramel apple cider. Pair these delicious fall sips with our maple waffle sandwich or pumpkin muffin. Available for a limited time at one of the two Bigby Coffee locations in Findlay. One on Trenton Avenue and one on Tiffin Avenue. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you until 7.30. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, along with Wall head football coach Derek Kidwell, and Finley High School's head football coach Stephen Adams for joining us so far on the show. If you miss any part of our show today or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear it today. Today's show and our shows and interviews 
from past seasons as well. We are not physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings day. Tuesday, frickin' chicken wings day. Tonight, get their sirloin steak dinner. Thursday, their frickin' chicken chunks. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. Daily specials are all dine-in only. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. You can also find them online at Frickers.com. Now let's take a look at some things around the world of sports. And the biggest one, at least from what I saw, it really kind of broke yesterday, but the Colts allowing running back Jonathan Taylor to seek a trade, which would, of course, have him leaving the Colts for potential greener pastures at some other team in the NFL. Do you think, in fact, we will see a Jonathan Taylor move this season? Oh, boy. Um... Maybe I, I I mean, look, there, there's this weird thing going on in the NFL right now where running backs are violently, criminally undervalued. They just are. I, I mean, yes, it's a pass heavy league, but l- let's call it as it is. Kansas City probably doesn't win that Super Bowl without the type of game that Pacheo is playing for them to keep that passing game, to keep Philadelphia guessing. You need to have a good running game. I don't believe in this philosophy that running backs are a dime a dozen nowadays. I just don't. And a player like Jonathan Taylor is that you're now talking about a category like a Nick Chubb, a Josh Jacobs, a Saquon Barkley, where it's how do you put a price tag on that level of player? So I think we could. Do do I see it being just some? any random old team no I, like i i don't see minnesota or carolina or like teams like that throwing their hats in the ring for it and honestly i don't think jonathan taylor would want to go to one of those places um i'll just be a complete homer for a second here i would love nothing more than tampa bay to throw their hat in the ring to try and get him um I think he'd be a massive fit in their system i think he'd be a fit really wherever he would go but the problem that you're going to run into is price point. I mean, running backs are criminally undervalued right now in the NFL. And Jim Irsay is the closest thing we have to Yosemite Sam as an owner in the modern NFL. So I don't know if they'll actually take a reasonable offer for him. I, I think you could get a couple day two picks, maybe a couple day two picks and a comp, uh, comp compensatory day three. I think if they're expecting first round picks in return for Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey, there's a lot of players that would like to have a word with them then because of that. So I don't know. It's, it's a tough call because you don't have Jonathan Taylor's making it to the trade market every day. And I think teams would be insane not to at least call unless you have a Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey. Part two of that is what teams get trade for him and then agree to the type of contract that Jonathan Taylor wants. Cause he's still young. He's only 24. So it's, I, I know most people are scared away from like those Todd Gurley type contracts from back in the day, but he's 24. You realistically, the way the modern NFL kind of dumps running backs, you realistically have a five-year window with this guy still. 
you can do a lot of good in a five-year window with a player like Jonathan Taylor. So it's going to come down to a team that's willing to make a contract with him, a team that has the pieces, parts to part with and to trade away the type of assets that Indianapolis would want in return. But I think it's a maybe. I think it's much more likely that he's going to have a Le'Veon Bell situation and maybe have to sit out sometime or even this season from Indianapolis and then maybe hit the free agent market and kind of hope for the best, or he becomes an NFL owners meeting trade or a off season 2024 trade. So we'll see. There's so many moving parts with this. And frankly, again, it's Jim Irsay. He could wake up tomorrow and be like, Hmm, I just spent $20 million moving an Orca from one side of the country to another. Maybe Jonathan Taylor has a point. Let's re-talk, let's talk with him and renegotiate again. We'll, we'll see. I really don't know how it's going to shake out. I, I don't see Jonathan Taylor past this contract staying in Indianapolis, though. Well, I think the biggest thing for me is the catch-22, kind of as you mentioned. It's the Colts saying, we don't value you to the point where we are going to give you an extension in line with what you're asking for. But then on the trade market, it's like, oh, we want a first round pick and, you know, a second rounder or a guy that's going to start, whatever the asking price may be. I don't think you get to say both of those things and have them both actually be true because, you, like you said, with the market, if the market says, let's not give anyone a first round pick for any running back, that kind of puts you already in a hole in terms of that. Well, and that's really the catch. I mean, the teams that stand out to me as legitimate candidates that could trade for Jonathan Taylor, they're sitting there saying, okay, well, why don't you want to give him a contract? Oh, well, you know, the, the NFL market, running back market, it's, it's overvalued right now. We need to bring it back down to earth. Okay, well, we'll offer you a third and a fourth round pick for him. Are you crazy? We need a first round pick and two thirds for him. But that's for a top tier. But is he a top tier player that requires that kind of compensation back in return? Or is he not good enough to get a larger contract when he's accounted for almost 4,000 combined yards in his first three years in the NFL? Like, which one is it? So Indianapolis needs to figure that out. And honestly, I think a lot of the teams that could be in the market, that's why I did say Tampa Bay. They really didn't do anything in the running back market. They had some potential they they had talked to the giants about saquon barkley they'd even talked to the raiders about josh jacobs and nothing really manifested from those so you can clearly see they want to add a young running back that they can have on contract and have for a while the other teams that will have come to mind to me detroit took jameer gibbs atlanta took Bijan robinson i mean heck even miami took devin Kane and picked up a few people in free agency so the 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 teams that I would consider as legit contenders to go after Jonathan Taylor, they're really down to like maybe one or two legitimate options. And I don't think Indies could get the compensation back that they want from those particular teams. So again, it we'll see it, it's, it, it's a dicey situation. I feel bad for Colts fans because this will be what the third second time you had Marshall Falk and he needed to get traded out. Now you have Jonathan Taylor. He needs to get traded out. It's uh, I don't know what they do to running backs in Indianapolis, but it does not seem to sit well with them too often. 
Speaking of running backs who are upset, Reggie Bush is set to file a defamation lawsuit against the NCAA. Of course, they famously took away his Heisman Trophy. Do you think? Uh, do you think this has any legs? Good. Good. I'm sorry. You know what? This is a soapbox moment for me. I seem to have them every week or every other week, but this is a soapbox moment for me. What Reggie Bush got tagged with at the time that he did, it was $200,000 and helping a down payment for a house for his family from a booster. Bryce Young received $9 million from an NIL as quarterback at Alabama before even starting as their starting quarterback at Alabama. So for my money, I think any organization, any team, any group, any player that had some sort of NCAA violation, had some sort of record retracted from them, taken away from them before this NIL era took place, they should have them given back. Reggie Bush for good, bad, or indifferent, had a decent and a more than decent NFL career over 10,000 career yards. He had a good career. He turned out to be a good player. No one can tell me with a straight face. And I say this knowing Vince Young, Mike Williams, Matt Leinart, Dwayne Jarrett, all those players were there at that time in the NCAA. No one can tell me with a straight face that there was a better player in the nation than Reggie Bush, his Heisman year. No one can. No one can tell me that he was not the most electric player on the field every time he touched the ball. And they're really taking a step further. NCAA football is an institution. Everyone has their teams. I don't think we get to the NIL level of hype and celebrity around these college teams without a player like Reggie Bush back in the day. So for me, heck yes, this has legs. As a matter of fact, they should take it a step further, and this should absolutely be taken to the point where he gets his Heisman reinstated. USC gets their wins reinstated because everyone acts all holier than thou, just like baseball writers with, oh, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds can't get in the Hall of Fame. You guys sold a lot of ink and sold ink by the barrel when they were cranking home runs. Same issue I have with the NCAA with this. Oh, you can make billions off of these kids, but... Reggie Bush has a rich California backer help get his family into a house. Come on, give the kid back his Heisman. It's no, I'm, I'm 1000% on Reggie Bush's side with this one. The Yankees keep losing, which I, I know you personally don't mind. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but they have now lost nine in a row. First time that's happened in 41 years. I think at this point, it's very possible both Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman are fired before it's all said and done. Thanks for the good news. I forgot that they have lost nine straight. <laughs> oh, just, yeah, I, nothing's bothering me anymore. That's, that's just a good day now. It's just been a good day now. That's great. Uh, all kidding aside, yes, uh, the, the fact of the matter is the Aaron Boone experiment with him as the manager for the Yankees has just not been a success. It just hasn't. There's no other way to put it. He, he has not had the level of success that Yankee fans look for. And Brian Cashman, he's, he's Mike Leach, but in general manager form. Let's see if this works. If it works, I'm a genius. If not, I'm a lunatic. And right now he kind of looks like a lunatic. So 
Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I really think win, lose, or draw, regardless of how they finish out the season, I would be very surprised if, at the bare minimum, if Aaron Boone is back as manager next year. I, I feel he really mismanages that roster, mis, mismanages the rotation. Doesn't seem like he's really got the ear of his team anymore in that regard. And that's evident by the kind of weird ejections that he's been getting himself into as of late. It's it, it almost feels kind of forced like that, that awkward, awkward parent trying to seem cool and it doesn't really work kind of situation. And then for Cashman, I mean, I don't know. He seems to have survived some weirder situations, but this Yankee roster is not necessarily built to compete right now. And he's the architect behind it. So yeah, I I think he's gone too. Last thing, Baker Mayfield officially named as your Tampa Bay Buccaneers starting quarterback. Obviously he's one of your uh, favorites from his time with Cleveland, of course, as well. What do you think? uh, What do you think we're going to see for Baker in, uh, in Tampa? We're going to see Baker Mayfield. You know, there's going to be games and moments where it's just like, my goodness, how how has anyone ever slept on this young man being a professional athlete? And then the next week we're going to watch him throw four interceptions and be like, oh, yeah, that's why kind of situation. So I don't know. I, I think he's in a pretty decent system. Uh, David Canales as the offensive coordinator down there is one of the primary people credited with resurrecting Geno Smith last season in Seattle. Um, I, I will stand by this. Make no mistake. Yes, Baker Mayfield had times that he struggled in Cleveland. How much of that was injury? How much of that was personnel? No one's ever going to be sure. And how much of that was Baker? No one's ever really going to be sure because he played that entire season with his shoulder literally dislocating every time he took a hit. So it's kind of hard to tell. He seems pretty clean and crisp so far in practices for Tampa Bay when you watch some of the camp and all that. But I'm I'm curious to see. I think it'll go good. Uh, I am one of those people, even as a homer, I don't think it's going to be the best season in the world for Tampa Bay this year. But having said that, a lot of people that are predicting them to be like 2-15 and 15 or 3-14, and 14, you lost Tom Brady. You did not lose three quarters of the starting offense and defense that still made the playoffs, even though it was a rough year last year. They're going to be okay. I think Baker is going to do a serviceable job. Is he the QB of the future down there? Probably not. I think that kid's in this draft coming up, whether it's Penix, Quinn Ewers, if they get Drake May or Jordan Travis is another name that comes to mind, or my personal hero, Grayson McCall. That's. <laughs> it's I think it'll go well. I don't think it's going to go amazing. He's got two very nice security blankets and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans to throw the ball to. So the other day they should be okay. Uh, Having said that as a recovering Baker, bro, it's nice that I now get to be a Baker buck as opposed to a Baker bro. That's it's fun. I, I, I like the change there. That'll just about do it for us today. Big thanks to Kevin Harris, along with Ball Story head football coach Derek Kidwell and Finley High School's head football coach Stephen Adams for joining us on the show today. Again, don't miss our coverage coming your way for high school football on Friday. Everything will start at 6 o'clock with the NWO Orthopedics Psych Up Show from the Fricker Studios. Bart Wilson, Trayvon Hastings will preview all the games 
for week number two on Classic Hits, we'll have the Battle of the Woods with Elmwood taking on Eastwood. Jimmy Nicholson and I will have that one for you on Classic Hits 96.7. On WFOB, we'll have coverage of the Fall Story Redmond as they take on Bowling Green. Matt Common, Tom Grind will have that one for you Friday on WFOB. Then stay tuned in after the games for the NWO Orthopedics Scoreboard Show again from the Fricker Studios. Barton Trayvon, I'll recap all the games for week number two once those matchups have wrapped up. From my broadcast partner, Matt Common, this is Lance Morris signing off from the Frickers Studios for this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Friday night to kick off week two of high school football. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.